Part One. Preparatory Reading, Section One: Christian Renaissance. Why there never was a Reformation. We use the term all the time, and we speak endlessly of the theology that created it and that then flowed from it, as if it actually existed and accomplished something. But it is a fantasy. There never was a Reformation. There are no Reformed churches, and Reformed theology is a fiction. This misnomer is now a deadly trap that those who wish to pursue the kingdom of God must recognize as such, if they wish to avoid another forty years in the wilderness. Well, you may think I am about to jump ship and become a Roman Catholic, but nothing could be further from the truth. My point is that the Roman Church was not reformed. And it has never been reformed. It is true that due to the rise of nation states, it has less power today than it had in the 16th century. But it is just as corrupt doctrinally and morally today as it was in the 16th century. Indeed, even more corrupt in some ways. What we call the Reformation was not a reformation at all. It was an exodus. The reformers never reformed the Roman Church. Not one reformer achieved such a reformation, and if one had, Protestants would not recognize him as a reformer at all. Misuse of words and terms can be a great snare. The reformers did not reform any church. If they had done so, there would exist today a reformed Roman Catholic Church. No such church exists. Rather, they left the Roman Church, or were thrown out of it, and then they started again. They built a new church altogether. The correct term for what the reformers did is ecclesial renaissance, i.e., a new birth of the church. They did not reform the church; they left the Roman Catholic Church, and their work led to the rebirth of the Christian Church in a new form. Unfortunately, the word Renaissance is used for the humanist Renaissance that preceded what we call the Reformation, and so its use to describe the work of the reformers is likely to cause confusion. Although, in some respects, the Reformation was part of the Renaissance, and in other respects, not so. Nevertheless, the term ecclesial Renaissance is the correct description. Of the great work that the reformers accomplished. Now you may well say that it was not the church that the reformers were trying to reform, but the Christian faith, and therefore the word reformation is the correct term. That would, in principle, be a valid argument if it were true, and then the word reformation would be used properly. But that was not the case. Although it was certainly the case that the reformers did reform the doctrine. That had become so highly corrupted under the Roman Catholic magisterium, and this was a great and necessary work, although not the only work needed. Nevertheless, it was the Church that the reformers set out to reform, but this was a failure, and it was a complete failure. What they did was to abandon the old wineskin. The existence of many people who desired to reform the church prior to the Reformation shows that the Christian faith was alive and well. The problem was the wine skin, not the wine, 
and it was the wineskin that the reformers abandoned because they were unable to reform it. In this, they were following the teaching of Jesus, whether they recognized it or not. The wineskin had become useless. Certainly, the reformers wanted reformation. They wanted to reform the church of Rome, but that is not what God gave them. New wineskins were needed. I'm not denying, of course, that the reformers did a great and necessary work. They did. What I am saying is that the mistaken idea that they reformed the church has led us astray into the belief that we must reform the modern apostate Protestant church. But reformation is not the answer. The Protestant church is unreformable, not because God cannot reform an apostate church. Of course he can, but because God does not reform apostate churches. If the salt has lost its saltiness, it is fit for what? To be reformed? No, it is fit for nothing except to be thrown out. I did not say this. The Lord Jesus Christ said it. Just as he said that old wineskins are useless in holding the new wine, and that new wineskins are necessary, and it appears now that God has thrown out the Protestant church wineskin, which is salt that has lost its saltiness. Do not take my word for it. Look at history. Which churches, once they had lost their saltiness, once they had become useless and were no more than cracked old wineskins, once they were apostate, has God ever reformed? Not the Greek Orthodox Church, not the Nestorian Church, which incidentally was in the early centuries of the Christian era one of the greatest missionary churches that the world has ever seen, but by the time of Kublai Khan was utterly useless to Kublai in his desire to Christianize his empire. Not the Roman Church or Orthodox Russian Church, nor the Coptic Church. Which churches and when did God ever reform once this level of corruption and apostasy had set in? None that I know of. Maybe God has reformed one, and I'm just displaying my ignorance. If so, please tell me which, and I shall join it immediately. Please disabuse me of my ignorance. Ignorance is of no use to me. Please put me out of my misery. Nothing would please me more or be of greater relief to me in my calling. I have looked for such a church for many years. I am not talking about finding a perfect church, so please do not quote that hackneyed and useless old phrase about never finding a perfect church. It is the feeble mantra of every tin-pot pope that is desperate to hold on to his idolatrous tyranny. Such statements are sheer stupidity, and if they had any value, they would render the work of the reformers useless. Remember, I am not denying that the work the reformers did was necessary and vital. It was, although it was not sufficient or complete in and of itself. What I am denying is that it was a reformation of the church. It seems incontestable to me how that although God can reform apostate churches, he does not do so. God has never reformed an apostate church. Quote, if the salt has lost its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be reformed. End quote. Is that what Jesus really said? Of course not. He said, quote, if the salt has lost its saltiness, 
how can it be made salty again? End quote. In other words, it cannot be made salty again. Quote, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. End quote. Matthew 5 verse 13. Either we believe the words of the Lord Jesus Christ or we do not. God does not reform apostate churches. He starts again. The new wine must have new wineskins if it is not to be wasted. Not only the Bible, but history as well teaches this lesson. The Protestant church has gone the way of the rest and is unreformable because God does not reform apostate churches. The Reformation was not a reformation of anything. It was an exodus and a new beginning, a rebirth of the church. We do not need any more reformations. They are useless because God does not deal in church reformations. He deals in new beginnings, new births, renaissance, resurrection. But of course, there can be no resurrection without the death of what went before. We need an exodus and a new beginning, a Christian renaissance. But this renaissance needs to be much wider and more exhaustive than a mere ecclesial renaissance. It must be nothing less than resurrection, the birth of a new Christian social order, a new Christian civilization. Of course, I am not interested in arguing about mere words. I have used the term reformation all of my life, but I must now reform my thinking about this according to God's word. I am speaking here of reforming my thinking, not the church. God does reform individuals. But even that is a new beginning, a new birth. Quote, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. End quote. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. But the point is that God does not reform churches. The problem here is that words and terms can and do mislead us. Ill-considered language can lead us astray in our understanding. We must therefore subject our minds, our very thinking process, to the Word of God so that we can think properly. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit works through the renewing of the mind. We must therefore be disciplined in our thinking according to what Scripture teaches. And Scripture does not teach reformation. It teaches exodus and resurrection. There have been no reformations in the history of the church, only exoduses and resurrections, new beginnings. But there is an even greater danger waiting for us here than merely being led astray in our language and thinking, namely, that at least for a great many Christians, the real reason they refuse to leave Egypt is that they have made an idol out of it and they prefer idolatry to liberty. Because as John Owen so aptly put it, the church is the greatest idol that ever was in the world. The Reformation never happened. The Reformers wanted it, desperately, but they did not get it. They asked God for a stone, but he gave them bread instead. Matthew 7 verse 9, quote, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven Give good things to them that ask him. End quote. Matthew 7 verse 11. 
We need an exodus and renaissance, not a reformation. And we need to pray for an exodus and renaissance, not a reformation, because God will not give us a reformation. And we need to pray according to scripture and God's will. But here is the important point. In our generation, there has never been a better time to start on this new beginning, this exodus and conquest of the promised land, than the present, since these dreadful churches, these temples of heresy and apostasy, have now shown themselves to be utterly compromised with the world and complicit with the godless secular state in its fascist aspirations to replace God as sovereign over every aspect of human life. The church has not merely been silent, but complicit with this diabolical agenda. The time has surely come for Christians to gird up their loins, start on a new exodus into the promised land, and reclaim their citizenship of the kingdom of God from those who have sought to dispossess them of it for so long. Reform will not take us where we need to be and should be. It will merely trap us in the past. A past that will reveal the paralysis, cowardice, and failure that characterized the church in the 20th century. We must leave Egypt, leave the house of slavery, and pursue the freedom under God that the Lord Jesus Christ has promised us. There is no doubt, plenty in this article, that you can willfully misrepresent wildly and shoot me down in flames for. By all means, enjoy yourself. I have come to expect nothing less. But remember, when all the argy-bargy is over, you will still be in an unreformable church with only one biblically and historically proven way out. And you will still be faced with the same choice, either idolatry or exodus. The kingdom of God cannot be reached through the reformation of apostate churches. It can be reached only through exodus and conquest, new birth, renaissance, resurrection. We are not called to reform Egypt, the corrupt and apostate church structures of the past, but to conquer the promised land, i.e. disciple the nations. When we do that, and when we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness above all else, the nations of the earth shall come to us and say, quote, teach us the way of the Lord, end quote. Isaiah 2 verses 1 through 4, and all the nations will become the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 28 verse 9, see Revelation eleven fifteen. 15.